Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And good morning. I'm John Tucker, along with Tom Keene and Michael McKee. The opening bell report this morning being brought to you by SEI. Imagine when investment operations predictably respond to regulatory change. See how SEI's global operating platform can be your catalyst for business transformation at SEIC.com slash imagine. And right out of the gate, we're seeing stocks headed lower. Brexit seems to be adding fuel to the fire for risk-averse investors. Among the most actively traded so far this morning, shares of Zimmer Biomed Holdings, they're down about 2.7%. The price-to-secondary share sale at a 2% discount to its previous close. And Baidu, that's uh, sinking in the early going after cutting its revenue forecast for the second quarter. The Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, right now extending losses down 26 points. It's down about two-tenths at 17,705. The S&P 500, three points lower. That's down two-tenths at 2075. The NASDAQ Composite Index uh, down to eight points right now. That's down two-tenths at 48.40. We check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg Radio. Back to Mike and Tom. John, thanks so much. We take great pride at Bloomberg Surveillance and trying to bring you the smartest and best guests on whatever the topic is. We had Gene Munster on from Piper Jaffray early this morning, and we are honored now to bring you Mark Mahaney of RBC Capital Markets. He comes on later because he lives on the West Coast, and, you know, he just refuses to get up before 9 a.m. <laughs> so we, we welcome him this morning. Mark, I want to congratulate you with your earned reputation. Andrew Ross Sorkin featuring you today in his DealBook article on LinkedIn. My first reaction when I saw this deal what was like the Tim Armstrong deal for AOL. This is the greatest bailout of a failed business plan I've ever seen. I know LinkedIn is very positive, but come on, the stock cratered and as you nailed in your research, they had to do this deal or they would have lost their key people, right? Oh, well, I don't want to overstate it. Look, I, we thought that uh, LinkedIn was a uh, good asset. If you want to buy a online recruitment asset, there's no asset better than LinkedIn. Agreed. Uh, they, uh, the, the question is whether they could run this business consistently, uh, profitably on a gap basis. We think they could. The gross margins are high enough here uh, that uh, over time, as you had gotten leverage and you had been able to reduce cost spending on marketing and R&D, there should have been nice right. profit generated from this business. They but had the- that, not yet proven that yet, but we think that's what was in the future. But, Mark, you've lived this. The fact is they play by a different rule book, and I'm going to call it within a general phrase, Silicon Valley, and the answer is they issue stock. Issue stock, issue stock is a compensation alternative, which is great if the stock works out. And if it doesn't, the game's over, right? Well, I'm not sure I'd be that uh, draconian about it. Look, it's a highly competitive employment uh, market out here in the Valley and in other, in other areas, too. But it's particularly acute in Silicon Valley. And there's a, a requirement or a, uh, a belief that one should belief. Uh, give out compens- stock-based compensation broadly to almost all employees. So that's the ethos. That's the way things are run in many of these companies. And some companies are right up front. They, they, all, they all disclose how much stock-based comp they give out, whether investors want to treat that as a real expense or not. It's up to 
to them. The companies give you the disclosure to go either way. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, what is the business plan going forward here? How does Microsoft make money out of this? The advantage that Microsoft has is this is an asset with a couple of hundred million, to be specific, 400 million you know, monthly average users that's got a relative, relatively diverse uh, business stream. So they have corporations. There are about 45,000 companies in the world that pay them about $3,000 a month to be able to tap into their resume pool, to be able to tap into all of the, the passive and active job candidates that are on the LinkedIn network. And then in addition to that, they sell uh, advertising uh, against that uh, user base. And then finally, they've got a couple of subscription products that are particularly good for people in sales. So the question is whether uh, Microsoft can do anything to really accelerate that uh, growth. They both have very large enterprise presences. Microsoft a lot bigger than um, than uh, than LinkedIn. It sounds. That's like, the, the, go ahead. Well, it sounds like to me that basically uh, they bought the the modern day version of a mailing list. <laughs> you know the uh, the interesting comment that was made uh, by uh, Microsoft executives on the uh, call yesterday was. Um, uh, that there's very little overlap between these uh, businesses, particularly in the recruitment business. So the open question we had is, you know, what, why would Microsoft really want to get into the recruitment business? But from a LinkedIn shareholder's perspective, this is great. Uh, somebody just uh, brought you back to par where you were at the exactly. beginning of the year. You just got a 50% premium. And, Mark, I showed that chart this morning uh, where, where I love how you put that. That's brilliant how it brought them back to par this morning. You, you, you know, without getting you into trouble with your sources, was everybody on board this at Microsoft? Or was this like actually like a bomber kind of debate where Nadella said, we're going to do this, let's go? How did that work out at Microsoft? Any idea? No, I'm sorry. We don't have much on that. I don't have any particular sources on that, and I don't cover Microsoft. That's fair. I just was trying to get some gossip in here to keep the conversation (laughs) going. What does this mean for the rest of your world, the Mark Mahaney uh, world? Does everybody mean, I mean, Twitter, I can't, I mean, Munster was, was, respectfully derogatory of Twitter on this. What would you suggest it means for Twitter and the others? Well, you know, that's the right action question to ask, which is this is one of the largest deals. Uh, I think it's the single largest deal, frankly, that we've seen in the uh, the Internet space. There's uh, We saw a couple of stocks pop on this news yesterday. Twitter was one, some of the smaller cap names like Yelp. I don't think there's any doubt, there should be any doubt, that we're going to see more M&A activity pick up in the Internet space. Why? Because there's good, consistent secular growth. Uh, there are some good assets uh, in the space. Clearly there are. Uh, some of these business models actually do generate positive free cash flow. LinkedIn was one of those. Uh, and uh, you've got strategic acquirers that are bigger and bigger and have more cash and market cap, and not just Microsoft, but you've got Google and Facebook, and you've got the Alibabas and the ten cents of the world. Uh, and uh, the people are also looking for exits, like a Yahoo. So M&A has been picking up over the last year or two. Expect even more of it. Uh, I don't think that Twitter is a likely takeout candidate. Our, our guess is, I'm not sure, it's a, it's, a, it's a mixed asset right now. It's not a stock that we would recommend. And there are too many people in there trying to buy it for the takeout or trying to buy the stock because on the belief that there's a takeout. I think that's an extremely risky way to invest. I would not recommend doing that. But I do think overall we'll see heightened M&A speculation, particularly in the ad, uh, the advertising space and, uh, and then maybe in some of the other verticals. But the advertising uh, vertical, the ad tech space, strikes me as the best for consolidation. Is there a possibility of another bidder emerging for LinkedIn if it's such a great property to have? It looks like there was, uh, it looks like there was another bidder in the process. And now all of this will come out in the regulatory filings. 
Uh, I find it very surprising that a deal like this wasn't shopped around, at least to a few other potential strategic buyers. Mm. Uh, maybe that would have been an Oracle. Maybe that would have been a Salesforce.com. Uh, I'd be surprised if uh, bankers working on behalf of uh, LinkedIn for their fiduciary right. responsibilities wouldn't have at least shopped it around. Yeah. But we'll get those details and filings. I assume that there were other bidders, but nobody as aggressive <clears throat> as Microsoft. Our fiduciary responsibility is to come back with Mark Mahaney of RBC Capital yeah. Markets. I can't say enough, folks, about the team surveillance uh, that we have. This news breaking yesterday, and I really want to congratulate Rachel Worsman. Who, who did a lousy job, Mike? There's somebody's name we got to leave out. I mean, Bowden was okay. He had a sort of like a 50-50 day. I think it was you and me. Who... Yeah. Well, our team is just awesome. They have, we have Mark Mahaney and Gene Munster on, on LinkedIn and Microsoft. Shannon Cross joining us yesterday. Spur of the moment. We greatly appreciate these street experts for their perspective. And we'll come back with Mark Mahaney, uh, with more on his most interesting world. Uh, LinkedIn trading it like 400 times EBITDA. I'm kidding. But it's richly priced, to say the least. Uh, the VIX, 21.09. The tape better this morning. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Westchester Subaru. Visit westchestersubaru.com. Here's Michael Barr with news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Today's presidential primary in Washington, D.C. won't have much impact. But the meeting between presumptive nominee Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders tonight... Could mean a lot. The D.C. primary is the last one of the Democratic season. The face-to-face meeting marks a transition in the lengthy primary fight between the two rivals. Sanders says his meeting with Clinton will help him determine how committed she'll be to his policy issues. Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson says as of now, there are no known accomplices in Sunday's mass shooting at a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida. Johnson, speaking to ABC News, was asked about the possibility that this is a lone wolf terror attack. In this environment of homegrown violent extremism, and that's what Orlando is looking more and more like, there's a role for the public to play. There's a role for us to play in building bridges with American Muslim communities. That's what we've been doing, and we're going to keep doing that. U.S. air safety experts have joined the investigation into the crash of Egypt Air Flight 804. Crews are trying to find the critical black boxes from the Airbus A320. The flight, with 66 people on board, was heading from Paris to Cairo when it crashed into the Mediterranean Sea. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael, thanks so much. Uh, The Yen, 106.10, definitely a relief in the market now from where we were at 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. this morning. Tomorrow, 1 p.m., Scarlet Foo, Michael McKee and myself with your Fed coverage. Good morning. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Anchin Block and Anchin, named the best accounting firm in North America for the sixth year in a row by Hedgeweek.com. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. It's 9.47 on Wall Street. This Bloomberg Business Flash being brought to you by CBO VIX, CBOE VIX Options and Futures. Volatility can be harnessed with CBOE VIX Options and Futures. See disclosures. Learn more at cboe.com slash powerful outcomes VIX. Well, stocks are right now fluctuating between gains and losses. The S&P 500 near a three-week low. 
There's a growing uncertainty about the U.K.'s future in the European Union. Investors also awaiting uh, tomorrow's Federal Reserve announcement. We did get uh, some economic data today, report out today, showing retail sales rising more than forecast in May. Among the most actively traded, right now Zimmer uh, Biometrics, it's down 2.7%. Uh, after pricing a secondary share sale at 2% a discount to its previous close. A second most actively traded shares of Twitter. They're up at 2.1%. That's in sympathy with uh, LinkedIn, which, of course, is being bought out by Microsoft. Uh, LinkedIn still below the uh, premium uh, share price at 192.28, just uh, up fractionally this morning. And the S&P 500 is uh, up less than a point, 2079. Dow Jones Industrial Average still down, down 21 points at 17,710. The Nasdaq Composite Index is up at eight points. That's up two-tenths of a percent at 48.56. And we check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg. Back to Michael and Tom. Uh, thanks so much, John Tucker. I'm going to do something I rarely do. Mark Mahaney with us. We've been focused on Microsoft and LinkedIn. Mike, Mark, I'm going to give you an open question given your coverage. Which stock is most intriguing right now? Within the churn of technology, which company's the biggest potential payoff, if you will, for investors? Investors looking for uh, new uh, stocks uh, to buy in the consumer Internet space. Uh, we think we've got a couple of options. Uh, I think the best one is actually Netflix right now. The truth is that the major Internet stocks are all pretty much at all-time highs, whether that's uh, Amazon, Google, yeah. or Facebook. Those are the three biggest large-cap uh, names, and they're all very close to their all-time highs. So there's nothing dramatically for sale. Netflix is intriguing because we do view it as something like for sale and the chance of the stock to double over the next three years. I mean, I want to make clear, folks, that Mr. Mahaney – had an outperform on Netflix at 30, 3-0. I'm sure it went down from there. You know, you've, you've, you've had your rough and tumble period. How do you sustain an outperform at 140? Uh, let's see. We, know, we try to be relatively um, uh, consistent uh, with these names. These can be secular uh, growth winners that can play out for a substantial period of time. Two simple data points. Google has generated uh, 20% online ad revenue growth for 17 straight quarters, despite the obvious fact it's gotten bigger and bigger. Amazon's retail growth has been 20% for 14 straight quarters, despite the fact that it's gotten bigger and bigger. Uh, And we see these names that have still got somewhat low penetration rates. Maybe 10% of retail sales are online for an Amazon. So you can kind of count on if they execute well. That's the big if, but they've got a pretty good track record now that they can sustain these premium growth rates for longer than most people realize. I think that's very very much the case with Netflix, which is just starting to tap into about half of the global broadband markets. And as those markets build out for Netflix, you're going to have sustained premium growth there for uh, uh, for quite a while. There's near-term controversy on the stock that creates the opportunity. This is It's still in correction mode, kind of like Amazon was earlier this year, like Google was last year, uh, and frankly, like um, uh, like LinkedIn was. Now, LinkedIn got a great, uh, you know, uh, pullout, uh, you know, bailout is the word you used in terms of the micro soft deal. Nonetheless, we think fundamentally LinkedIn would have worked higher anyway as fundamentals improved by more than the market had feared. What happened to the story of all the people like Amazon who were going to 
go into the conflict, uh, you know, business uh, up, up against Netflix and produce their own streaming video, and Netflix was going to be in trouble. Uh, Mike, that's probably the single biggest pushback I get on our Netflix buy recommendation. It's competition, particularly from Amazon, maybe a little bit from Hulu, HBO. Uh, I think uh, what we're finding over time is that there's actually less competition for Netflix, especially if you leave North America. Uh, in the in the U.S. market, Netflix has, in the, we think the most competitive market, is about 45% of broadband households are subscribers. Overseas, competition is less, and we think you're going to see a real dramatic ramp, as they've already been able to show in a couple of markets, like the easier ones, like the U.K. and Canada. But even in Latin America, even in countries as diverse as Germany and France, in southern Europe, you're starting to see a real takeoff in their um, adoption within broadband households. They're the best play off of the growth in uh, uh, Internet TV, and they've done a you know, phenomenally good job, we think, over the last three years. How do you make Amazon go down so people that missed it can possibly climb on board? <laughs> the answer is it's not, is it? I, Mike, I, I have a long hallway where I live, and the number of Amazon boxes in that hallway is just stunning. I mean, my, uh, Mark Mahaney, does it ever retreat? Sure, absolutely. You know, um, it's easy to look at it now at an all-time high and say we won't see a correction again. But you and I both know that that will happen. It seems like it happens like clockwork if your clock is, uh, you know, 365-day clock. So I wouldn't be at all surprised to see another correction in uh, Amazon. Expectations are super high. Sentiment's very bullish. You know, this is more of a small buy for us here. The biggest weakness is probably this cloud computing business that they have where there are some very substantial competitors. Google and Microsoft come to mind. And if you had another price war breakout, price cloud war breakout, Mm -hmm. that would be a negative catalyst for Amazon stock. We don't see it, but that would be the factor that could most easily take it down. I'm glad you mentioned this, and let me bring it up today. What is the thing we most get wrong when we talk about the cloud? You talk about it with authority. Gene Munster talks about it with authority. Jennifer Morgan was on from SAP North America. She's got her angle on it. I feel like an ignoramus when I talk about it. What's the number one thing I get wrong? I think the single biggest mis- uh, misperception on the cloud is just how early stage or how early days we are. We think that perhaps 10% of work processes that could be migrated to the cloud are there, which tells you that um, uh, even though the combined industry may be, if you look at uh, Amazon, uh, Google, and Microsoft is kind of uh, 10 to 15 billion max, that and it's growing, uh, you know, amongst those three players, 30 to 40 percent year over year. That growth rate could sustain for five to even 10 years, given how low the penetration of the cloud is. That that's the single biggest mistake we think investors are making. Is there anybody out there that um, you have your eye on now that maybe Wall Street doesn't, that is going to be the next LinkedIn or uh, uh, Netflix is a little farther ahead than LinkedIn, but is is going to be a a target? And I don't, you know, there's a lot of small companies get swallowed up by the big companies, but somebody who's going to become a household name and then maybe uh, look to be acquired. So, uh, you know, again, there's a lot of risk in, um, uh, in trying to make any investment decision on the hope that uh, the, the, the stock that you uh, are buying gets acquired. 
One company that we think that's part, that should be part of the investment thesis, but only one part, is Yelp. We thought, we've always thought that at a two to three billion market cap, that would be a bite sizable acquisition for anybody looking to tap into local advertising dollars with a relatively well established brand name and with a very large uh, customer base that's almost entirely in the U.S. Mm. So therefore, somebody with a global exposure could yeah. perhaps help translate that in overseas market. Mark Mahaney, thank you so much. Very generous of you to be with us for this half hour. Mr. Mahaney is with RBC Capital Markets, of course, on LinkedIn. Uh, note the comments. Again, he was in the Andrew Ross Sorkin uh, article this morning on stock-based compensation. I thought that uh, Mr. Sorkin, uh, Mike, did a great job of with clarity showing the currency known as stock within the Silicon Valley ethos. This in from Atlanta, the Atlanta Fed's wage growth track oh. moves up 3.5% now. Um, That's a big number. Yeah. That's it's a big number. Getting, well, 3% was the number that people at the Fed uh, said should be a normal rate of, you know, a reasonably normal rate of wage growth. Now, the Atlanta Fed tracks this differently than the yeah. hourly wages that we see in the payroll report. So, uh, it's not quite comparable, yeah. but it does, it does show we are seeing gains. We do charts on ra- radio. That always works. And one of them, Mike, is my lollipop chart, which we'll feature tomorrow. I can say without hesitation, if you go back a year in three months and you establish a trend in the two-year, that we are now two standard deviations low yield in that trend at oh. 0.71%. That's that's not an approximation. That's a fact. Two standard deviations low. We've been there once, twice, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in this soiree, and now a ninth time. Well, it is going to be an interesting 10 days ahead. What will you look for in the minutes tomorrow? We've talked about the press conference. The minutes, there'll be well, like, I've, what, seven words that will change? Yeah, three weeks from now. Uh, no, you're talking about the statement. Excuse me, the statement. Uh, it, it's, my not, fault, my it's not uh, the, what, what they do. It's why they do what they do. Mm, well, what, okay. Is it because the economy is weak or is it because they're just uncertain? Mm. Uh, the former means no rate increases for the near future. The latter, maybe we come back in July and do this well, depressingly. <clears throat> let us uh, bring you forward to good coverage and good conversation from a cross-section of people. Tomorrow, 1 p.m., Richard Clarida of PIMCO, Alan Blinder of Princeton. We are thrilled that... Uh, Ms. Zentner of Morgan Stanley will join us to begin our coverage. We are produced by YUN, Ken Felio, our global technical director, Bloomberg Surveillance.